Welcome to episode 194 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. On this episode of The Digital Life, we're going to discuss Ford's recent billion-dollar investment in self-driving cars and what that means for the future of the auto industry. So Ford Motor recently announced a $1 billion investment, which is going to take place over the next five years in a startup uh, out of Pittsburgh, actually. And the startup's called Argo AI, and they're developing autonomous vehicle tech. Uh, and they just got going uh, in December. So this is, you know, a, a, a fresh organization, and it has... Uh, technologists from formerly from Google and Uber uh, that were focusing on these self-driving technologies uh, who are going to be leading the effort for Argo. Uh, Pittsburgh is the uh, place of choice because it's a robotics hub. Um, we know that they have a great university system there and, and uh, uh, a burgeoning hub for robotics and uh, self-driving uh, vehicle research. So it will also have some satellite offices, as you, you might expect. There's there's one in San Francisco and also one in Michigan, which, which makes sense uh, given the car industry's dominance of, of that region. So I found this particularly interesting because there's there's an inflection point coming here with the autonomous uh, car technology, and I think we're starting to reach it, or or you know are very close to that. And the reason I say that is the level of investment has uh, increased from both technology companies. So you've got your Ubers, uh, your Googles, uh, you know, possibly Apple. Of course, Apple's not saying anything. And then sort of the, uh, the company that's straddling tech and uh, the auto industry, which is, of course, Tesla. And then on the other side, you have your sort of mainline uh, manufacturers of cars who have been in business for decades and decades, uh, folks like, like GM and, and Chrysler. And now Ford uh, is throwing their hat in the ring. Uh, and what this says to me is that, you know, sort of the, the, autonomous, the, the autonomous vehicle race is on, right? The, 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 uh, it's not quite a moonshot, but you know, there's there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of things to sort out. So so this this is a technology race that uh, you know is is heating up for sure. And so so based on that, I'm I'm very curious as to what are the enabling technologies, what are the governmental regulations and insurance. Uh, uh, sort of guidance that's going to make this all happen because you know we 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 have a lot of um, those regulations in place for managing uh, cars that we drive ourselves and and now we are sort of trans you know we're going into this uh, this uh, period of transition um, and and I think it's going to get really complicated really quickly uh, so so with that preamble Dirk. Uh, what are your initial impressions of, of this, you know, fairly sizable investment from a major American automaker in AI and autonomous vehicle technology? And, and do you see this inflection point coming, at least in terms of investment? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to see. I mean, it it you know it reinforces that they're not that not completely um, you know behind the times and and clueless. I mean, they're they're making an effort. I don't know much about Argo specifically as a company, so whether they're betting on the right horse or not, who who knows? I mean, maybe maybe not. But um, uh, superficially, I mean, their their eye is is on the right ball. I mean, you mentioned the self driving vehicles as sort of a moonshot. I think uh, to me, the self driving vehicles are more of the I want to say short term, I'll call it medium term. I mean, in the 2020s, we'll, we'll start shifting over in, in quantity um, to self-driving vehicles. So that's, to me, that's sort of a known and it's, it's within our, our current field of vision. Um, where, where I think the moonshot lies is the future of transportation. So um, somewhere between now and 2050, there's going to be a significant consolidation of transportation types so right now there are all these distinct things that are um that are distinct structurally and they're also distinct in the technology they use to power them so uh whether it be you know motorcycle car bus train subway uh airplane um among others uh, right now these are super fragmented and they're treated as they're like their own own thing where it's different manufacturers who are making the thing. We as um, citizens, we see them as sort of inhabiting almost different ecosystems, even if they're sharing the same roads in some cases. And what is going to happen is, is this consolidation where um, single companies are going to uh, produce vehicles that cover multiple of those use cases. They're killing some subsections of the different transportation technologies and moving them into a more, uh, a more technologically advanced, more modern, a more appropriate uh, for where we are in tech, as well as the the sort of um, green considerations that we'll need to be making in the future. Uh, things. And so for me, when I see Ford invest in Argo, that's a, a signifier to me that maybe Ford will be one of the companies left standing at the end. Um, I think, you know, it's it's trying to sort of read tea leaves and plan ahead. It's probably more likely that a true tech company would buy Ford and just sort of gobble them along the way. Um, but I think Ford is at least positioning itself to have that happen in a meaningful way, as opposed to just being left behind and and have its value, you know, go go precipitously down, and um, either be bought for for very little or or die. So you've piqued my interest in terms of the uh, consolidation uh, paradigm there that you outlined. Uh, what what kinds of uh, consolidation do you see happening? I mean, uh, one can imagine, uh, you know, horrible sort of uh, sci-fi visions of, of you know, hey, this vehicle can fly, right? And that can also sort of uh, become uh, land transport as well. But do you have any examples of uh, areas that you think will become uh, merge into one as as this consolidation happens? I think it's really use case based. And, and so if we look, for example, currently at cars, how we use our cars, there is some percentage of that. And I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to even guess at some harebrained percentage, but there's some percentage of that where it is necessary that I, as an individual, enter a vehicle and go to a specific place. And there's another percentage where I, as an individual, could get into a larger vehicle of some kind and be part of a group 
that is taken to a place, right? Right now, the car covers a bunch of use cases, um, some of which should, uh, into the foreseeable future, given and focus, focusing on the United States, given the physical infrastructure here, uh, you know, it, it more or less has to be that way. But a lot of it can be part of more mass transportation. So now jump to a different vehicle, jump to a bus. Right now, um, a bus is serving uh, a function of, of taking people to places all in a mass vehicle. There's some of those use cases that would be better. Um, I don't know if better is quite the right word, but would be more appropriate, um, assuming the, the, the financial ability to pay for it, to be in an, um, an individual vehicle or a more private vehicle, um, whereas some of the use cases are better to all be together. Um, we could say the same thing for a subway. Now, <clears throat> that's talking about more consumer transportation. And I think in those use cases where it's about vehicles that are, are using wheels that are on the ground that are, are primarily focused on taking people to the different things that they need to be taken to hither and yon, that there's going to be some some crunching and consolidation there. I, I don't know what it's going to look like because it, if we go back, you know, decades even, there's always been this push for like the high-speed rail, like high-speed rail is where it's at. And there's been lots of investment in that in the U.S. in different places. And it's, it's almost uniformly a failure, right? So even though like logically people are like, yeah, this is the right solution for the right thing. It's the most efficient. It does the job. It, it, it fails for a whole bunch of reasons. So um, I'm, I'm not going to stab at a solution. I don't, I haven't um, researched this area enough and I don't feel qualified to do it in a way that isn't silly. Um, but I think that's, that's where it's going to happen. It's like, um, it's, it's, it's going to be new forms of moving individuals around and those use cases will become more refined and it's going to be more refined ways of moving groups around um, that, that are more, more use case dependent. And then the, the big unknown, of course, is just one about money. I mean, one of the reasons people take public transportation now, and in some cities like New York, it's very convenient. I mean, Boston to a lesser um, extent as well, where we are. Um, but oftentimes it's just money. Like, you know, cars are expensive. Like there's the car, there's insurance, there's the gas, there's the parking. Like it's just cost on cost on cost on cost. Um, whereas public trans, it's, it's really affordable. And so um, you know, there are socioeconomic issues here as well. Um, the other thing I'll comment on, John, is last on our last episode, we talked about drones. And I think we'll start to see not just in in citizen um, sort of citizen reorganization of, of how we're getting around. But we're going to see just just logical decisions made around moving boxes, moving stuff. And, and the example I talked about was with drone home delivery. Um, I actually kind of expect drone, drone home delivery to be a real thing and not just silly. And I think it's because at this point, Amazon and companies like it are sending a lot of boxes around that are basically air. I mean, I, I don't know what pr proportion it is, but it's it's certainly more than 10%. I'm going to say more than 20%. When I order on Amazon, I get a box. It's taking up a fair bit of space, but it's 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 light. I mean, there's there's something in it like a little notebook or um, you know, an air freshener or or just some some random thing, and and it's it's um, both really expensive to put that box that's taking up cubic um, cubic meters cubic space into a truck. Um, where whereas if you have a, a drone technology that similar to the the Facebook. Uh, drone we looked at can be more solar powered, 
So the green cost is very low and it also can be more uh, right to the door. Like just send, send the drone out. You don't need to wait for the next truck. It cuts the whole supply chain down. Um, so, so th- th- I, sorry if I've been a little bit long winded here, but, but those are a couple of different ways in which I think it's just the, the use cases are going to find their way to, to the, the, the tech right solution. So, so yeah, Dirk, that's, that's, that's a great breakdown. And, and the drone certainly uh, engenders uh, visions, once again, of, of people moving drones and, and things like that. So, so transportation uh, is definitely an area ripe for, as you said, consolidation and, and innovation. One area that I think goes a little bit unnoticed as we have these tech discussions is the uh, sort of the infrastructure that's required to support these new forms of transport, uh, whether they be autonomous vehicles or, uh, you know, in the future, uh, people moving drones or uh, your aforementioned uh, sort of combination public transport slash private transport, however that uh, manifests. So, the infrastructure I'm talking about is not just the roadways, of course, but also uh, sort of the the legal and uh, in- insurance um, realms that are so important to enabling these technologies to happen. So, uh, an example of of what people are struggling with right now is is sort of the insurance responsibilities for something like an autonomous vehicle. If you get into a car accident, you uh, weren't driving really it was the software right so so are you responsible now is google who's you know supplied the autonomous vehicle are 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 they responsible um is you know the other vehicle and it's ai responsible who knows uh so that needs to be worked out uh additionally uh we have uh, at the same time this uh new new forms of of uh energy sources that are being used to power uh, our, our vehicles, and one can imagine the, uh, you know, every everything's battery operated and and uh, electric in the future, which means that uh, the 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 petroleum uh, based gas stations are are going to need to be changed into uh, or or at least modified to include uh, charging stations and. Uh, right now, all of these charging uh, stations take a while, right? So you can't have. Yep, that's uh, right. you, you, you're going to need a parking lot, right? You're not, you, you can't just pull into a charger, um, at least so far, and just plug you know, uh, plug it in, and it's immediately uh, totally charged. I'm, I'm sure that technology will come, but it's not here at the moment. So, so these infrastructure questions were answered very definitively uh, by the U.S. government when it came to the auto industry. There was nationalizations of, you know, the, the, the federal highway system is, is, you know, a huge accomplishment and, it, you know, enables people and goods to move freely across the U.S. And that was all sort of built on taxpayer dollars. So, so these questions of, like, how do we enable these technologies, those things haven't been answered uh, even remotely yet, and and I'm I'm thinking there's going to be some bottlenecks here because and those bottlenecks are going to be uh, where it where it comes uh, to passing laws and to figuring some of this stuff out. Uh, I'm all I've, I'm always surprised at the difficulties of getting smart regulation done in in Washington. Um, I. I think it's going to be a 
that's going to be a bigger challenge than than the technology side. I can almost I can almost guarantee that. Yeah, it'll certainly be be slower when it needs to be fast. That's for sure. And I I, I do think that there are um, uh, interesting uh, competitive uh, issues that 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 arise if if the government is is not able to uh, sort of facilitate uh, companies to get. Uh, you, you know, to develop uh, technology in in a rapid way. So it's it's a global economy now. What's to say that you know the uh, the Chinese equivalent of um, you know one of these companies won't make a big splash first? So uh, the playing field is 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 much sort of broader uh, as as we outlined. There's there's tech. There's car companies, um, and and you brought it uh, broadened it even further to include, um, you know, uh, other companies that are involved in transportation and might and might start um, and consolidating some of these areas. So I think this is an area that that we need to continue to watch, and I'm I'm pretty excited to see it play out. Although I, I can't imagine that it's going to be all that smooth. I, I see a bumpy ride coming for uh, the autonomous vehicle market. Yeah, and I think um, the, the specific ways in which it ends up manifesting will probably surprise us. Oh, that's for sure. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we are mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at goinvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at dneemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 194 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.